Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, a podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline, and you can just feel free to stick things in my slot. Joining me is friend of Starfish, journalist Grace Medford. <laughs> That's a great reference. Tom Green is so lovable in this film, which is quite a shock, isn't it? What I did not know was that he was like married to Drew Barrymore. Yeah, that's where they met. Yeah, yeah. And do you know what? Why wouldn't she fall in love with him there? That because like that character is adorable. When she wakes up in his boat and then she steals his boat at the end. And um, I'm going to come back to that moment later because I think it's like a big part of me realising that although my favourite angel as a child was Lucy Liu, now my favourite angel is Drew Barrymore, which is quite a pivot. Interesting. Okay, yeah, we'll get into that. But let's get back to the beginning. Today we're talking about the noughties reboot franchise of Charlie's Angels. I think we're mostly going to be talking about the first one, but there are some choice moments in the second one, full throttle. Um, but... What do they mean to you? What? Where? Tell me everything. Situate yourself for me. Uh, Charlie's Angels. I obviously I've rewatched them in advance of doing this, mm. and I think what I've what I've realized what I love about them coming from like my my first love is music and pop stars and girl bands. It was the Spice Girls. Like every sort of girl who was six to ten years old in the nineties, mm. um, and those movies are. Very much for me, like a girl band movie, almost. Yes, yes. Lots of costume changes, girls being girls together. Um, and then they also get to kick ass in that very sort of like stylized, choreographed way that appealed to me as a preteen. Yes. They, um, I was born in 1990, so I was exactly 10 when these came out. And for me, it like, how old were you? I, I think I'm been like 13, 12, 13. Oh my God, I thought you were younger than me. No, no, no. I'm a bit... Well, I mean, we, we don't ask ladies their age. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm 33. That's not, that's not too bad. That's not, yeah, you're doing great. Um, but I I think it is that perfect age for me where it's like your post Barbie, um, but pre push up bra. Yes. Where it's like the sort of the dress up element and like it does feel like a Barbie box, this this film of just like we can put them in outfits and wigs and, and they have little jobs they can do, but only for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dance routines. There's, yes. all, there's all sorts of stuff going on. There's romance, like properly like they've got like, uh, you know, lives, like backstories and lives yeah. that also play out in throughout the course of the action. Um, and it feels it. it it's all aspirational, I guess, in a way that like, yeah, they're like hot girls and they do hot shit. And then they go home and they've got like lovely stable boyfriends or like actor boyfriends yes. or whatever that is. It's like proper like wish fulfillment kind of stuff. It's so it's so weird because like it, when you're rewatching these movies, they're like, they're so male gazy, right? They're just like so many things of them just leaning over each other in their arses. <laughs> like the whole scene where like um, Drew Barrymore sort of leans over Lucy Liu or Lucy, someone leans over someone to fix a fast food yes. microphone thing. And it's just so gratuitous. Endless midriff. Endless. And like endless puns that are so obviously for men. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, and not for the people that were actually like snorting up this movie like a <laughs> of coke which were the preteen girls right yes but i do think in all that male gaze there is a very female fantasy in there which is that you get to open up your sort of like femininity and sexuality full throttle <laughs> see what i did there and then 
at the end of it, you get to beat the boys up. You're still stronger than the boys. Yes. So they're not actually a threat. You get to do all that like girl stuff that you kind of can't do in real life without feeling unsafe. Yes. And for me, that's a very that's a very girly fantasy. Or certainly my girly fantasy. I get to be like very, very like all woman. Oh, and me- and men are not no a risk. Repercussions. Exactly. That is, you're hit on something that's so huge there because yeah, that like I think of like Drew Barrymore in the flippy blonde wig in the sort of the blue jumpsuit when she's like a pit crew and licking this guy's <laughs> steering wheel after sliding in behind him. It's like, that's not a way you're allowed to act. I've I've thought about it, <laughs> but I can't because no one will believe me in a court of law if something bad happens. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. And like, and, and also like the men are, and again, this is like, not realistic but like the men are just very sort of like flustered and flummoxed and bewildered by them they're not they don't really respond in any way other than what is this which I guess actually maybe could be do you remember ages ago there was that like experiment where the girl was like uh like really sexually aggressive to men in a way that men are to women in the street and she was, she was oh, just like oh yes it was kind of up? like a, an experiment but a very buzzfeed experiment yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly but she but the but men were like taken aback by it they weren't yeah. responsive at all they were like whoa like what is this so may, you know maybe that is maybe we should just be out here licking steering wheels <laughs> And just scaring men into like leaving us alone. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, maybe we should be. It also makes me think like, like yeah, you're right because I definitely watch this these movies and like we're like, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to use my wilds to get <laughs> valuable information out of men. Yeah. <laughs> and this thing of like, I do think there's this thing where the male gaze and the child gaze are often the same gaze mm. because children love glamour mm-hmm. and I think that actually has nothing to do with men like, like every few years they try and launch a new kind of a doll that's like um, oh this one's a nurse practitioner <laughs> and she has a briefcase and flat shoes <laughs> and it never works that's not what we're not trying to be nurses <laughs> in our playtime alright there's plenty of adult life to be you know practical yeah like I I I I would never forgive adults for really like trying to ruin child's play by reflecting their own thoughts of what children should be aspiring to on them. It's like it's okay to want to wear a tiny dress and have huge shoes, right? And and love your Barbie. We don't, we don't know anything yet. We're just having fun. Yes. Interestingly, I think that that exact concept applies to trying to make movies like this now because I watched. The mm. reboot of the reboot the other day. Tell, like, yeah, tell me in brief because I didn't watch it. Cara, Although I love Kristen Stewart. Cara, I have to tell you, I would never have watched if I wasn't good. I want, I want it just for comparative purposes. I just wanted to know how it held up. Um, if there is a just and benevolent God, he will take two hours from your life and credit it to mine because I would never watch it if I wasn't doing this podcast. <laughs> it was... So far beyond bad, I can't even tell you. Like I watch, I watch it with my brother because my brother really enjoys the Charles Angels movies. He had not a lot of choice because I really made him yeah. watch them as a kid, um, and I really bullied him into watching them. And I was like, um, I was like, come on, it'll be fun. We'll just take the piss out of it. By like forty minutes, we were like, God, we don't want to take the piss out of this, this anymore. It's just, just fun, just very sterile corporate girl boss feminism and it's like I don't want feminism in my campy action movie please (laughs) please and thing is like I do think that's what men think we want but we don't no no we want dress up (laughs) we want dress up and just like a standard very simple ass kicking kung fu scene right fun (laughs) exactly and this was the other thing all these action scenes were very like like proper like choppy like like really gritty, like yeah. glass embedded in the wound on the face kind of thing. <laughs> like too realistic for, I'm, I'm like, bearing in mind that like the last movies, it's like Kung Fu Matrix flying through the air. Yeah. And this was very like, uh, do you know what? I, got, I feel like I can't even remember. I feel like I can't even remember I this film as I'm telling you about it. Yeah. Uh, terrible. Bridget, Eternal Sunshine, but exactly. <laughs> right out. But yeah, the the originals or the the Quote, original yeah. reboot 
Um, <laughs> what a world we live in. <laughs> and the, the term original reboot can, can really mean something and not be like an oxymoron. I, it's one of those things where I'm like, if you... If you are not good, it's the same with like when they reboot Gossip Girl or whatever. Mm. Like, we don't want, like, look at Riverdale. Riverdale is like 25 year olds with ripped abs and like, you know, women with their tits out playing schoolgirls. And then, like, underneath, there'll be like this, like, vaguely feminist. So I'm like, please, please, we're not here for that. We're, we're not here for it. We, you know, we're not here for it. Look at your wardrobe choices. Like, let's just leave it out. Leave That's it out. It. See, like, I think people on Twitter ask for these things, but they don't want them. They don't want them. They don't want them. When they get them, they know they they, they know that they've asked for the wrong thing. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um Oh God, that's really that's really pumped me up now. But like okay. I'm not gonna bother doing a plot summary, which I normally do, because I love these movies. I've seen the first Charlie's Angel movie dozens of times. I've acted it out scene by scene in the schoolyard with <laughs> my best mate. Um, I don't know what the plot is. <laughs> it, I mean, yes, it's um Sam Rockwell's a tech guy who's got voice recognition software and he wants to kill Charlie using... Yeah. Okay, we, we all get that. I would rather go through who's your favourite angel and why. <laughs> so, what I really love about the... Like the just like the opening sequence, that mm. first like <gasps> once upon a time there were three very yeah. different little girls. And but even before that, you get the um LL Cool J. I mean, this this film is so like star packed. This is the thing it, when you said Spice Girls a while ago, it is like the Spice yes. World movie, and then it's just ja- it's colorful. It's like a bag of Skittles. There's so many <laughs> colors in it, and it's just so attractive to see, and so glossy and shiny and yummy. And it's so many stars from nowhere, and like unpredictable stars mm-hmm. like Tim Curry, yeah, <laughs> who's like famous to a very specific kind of person, to a specific kind of thing. You know, it makes me feel like they were fun to make. Yeah, because they get a load of stars for the second one as well. So I'm like, people must have just wanted to make these films. Sure, yeah. Good fun. Um, but that opening sequence where you l- literally, just before it starts, that like um, like intro narrated by Charlie, um, you get uh, an action sequence. On the plane. Right. Yes. And as they come down off the plane, um, and la- you get uh, Cameron Diaz as uh, Natalie yeah. on the boat, and she's like very golden and sunny, and it's like instantly the bubbly one. Oh yeah! And then Lucy Lou lands and like pulls off her thing, and it's like shakes her hair out, and you're like, ah, oh, the sophisticated one. <laughs> and then like Drew Barrymore like plops down and like rips <laughs> off her LL Cool J mask, and it's like, oh right, okay, she's the wild one. So instantly you're oh, like, oh, that's what we love more than anything in girl groups is archetypes yes simple archetypes (laughs) I know who I'm going to identify with so I guess in an ideal world I think I would want to be partway between that sort of like bubbly charisma Mm -hmm. of Cameron Diaz and the like intelligent and like just well put togetherness of Lucy Liu Mm. but what I actually am is like the trash fire that is Drew Barrymore (laughs) She's she is like in the way that I know you don't watch Sex City in the way that Miranda mm. is always the sort of like the touch point for kind of reality. Mm. Drew Barrymore in a weird way is supposed to be that touch point here. I think because she's kind of often in jeans and sort of like big t-shirts and like she's what I love about her character the most. And she's now become my favorite one, even though in the schoolyard no one wanted to play her because <laughs> <laughs> she's got no glamour. Because she's got yeah exactly, and because like I think as well talking about that sort of male gaze child gaze thing children's lives are so boring Mm. I think we forget that as we get older like how fucking boring they are and like how (laughs) samey and so you want someone like who has a crazy glamorous life and like so an adult wearing jeans is like my mum wears jeans who cares (laughs) no it's true it's true um, I think what's interesting as well about Drew Barrymore's character is be, is that it's almost like an extension of Drew Barrymore the person. If you yes. know Drew Barrymore's backstory, it almost lends like this credibility to her playing Dylan. It's like, she knows it. She's been there. She's seen it all. She yes. was dancing on tables at parties when she was 13 or whatever. Yes. Um, and, to, and in a weird way, it really kind of humanizes that character. Like, it gives her a vulnerability that I don't think the other two have. No, and like, and definitely in the second one, she's very much the main character of the mm. second one because it's all this, like, it's this very, like, 
what feels like quite a topical conversation about my both my friends are in relationships and I don't really want to be in a relationship, but I also don't want to lose my friends. Yes. Which I was like, I really felt for it. Yeah. I really felt. I mean, I think the second movie is like, it's funnier in places and it's like some of the set pieces are better, but it's mm. way, kind of way too long and there's kind of like five scripts going on, it yeah. feels like. But the thing of like, what I realised was actually pretty fucking amazing about Drew, uh, Dylan's arc is that so the first time we meet her in the present day, she wakes up in Tom Green's boat and it's mm-hmm. very sweet. He's making her eggs. And the, is it is it the boat? Is it is, the eggs? Is it the Chad? <laughs> it might be the Chad. <laughs> and it's and you're like, oh, this she's got like the geeky boyfriend. She's kind of geeky. Okay. Fucking meet Sam Rockwell through work. <laughs> Fucks him rotten. Mm-hmm. Is shot out of a window by him. Mm-hmm. Not a thought to Chad. And then, like, comes back around to Chad at the end, like, oh, can I borrow your boat? You're a cutie, squeeze, yummy, yum, kiss, kiss. And there's just, like, there's no sense from the film at all that, like, the fact that she's shagged two lads in this movie and has has no sense of overlap in her mind about it. She's just like, sometimes I shag Chad, sometimes I shag clients, and they shoot me out a window. <laughs> and it's, like, it's very joyful and, no, and like... That is like some positive slut representation happening in this movie. And when they follow it into the second movie, mm-hmm. when there's uh, what's his chops on the surfboard, like I mean, very, very gorgeous in a very, yes. very teen magazine way. Yes, and they're like she's very like, David Gandhi vibe. Yes, yeah. and then she's like, "Oh, who is he?" Like looking at him through the binoculars, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Right, he's the villain because she fancies him," <laughs> and they're just very accepting of the fact that, like, yeah, we're like regular girls with like regular relationships and you're just our like crazy friend and there's just like there's like simply no hint of judgment none and I really appreciate they just accept her they just accept her as she is which is weird because like I I I wonder how much we internalize that because like there would have been so little of that growing up right like you know the 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 constant thing of the the girl who has sex being the first person to die in horror movies whatever maybe I'm over egging it but I just love it. And it's also this thing of like, I think, as you said yourself, um, all of the characters are in play with what already existed in the culture about them. And so Drew Rymore is already 20 years into her career at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and also owns the rights to this movie. Did you see that? Yeah. She own- she bought the sort of rights for... They the- produced it, didn't they? Her, her company produces produced yeah. those two films. Yeah. And there's no guns in it because she's anti-gun violence. Like... She has an enormous amount, like even though it's directed by men, written by men, <laughs> she has an enormous amount of power in this movie. And then similarly, like you've got this thing with Cameron Diaz where like she was coming off something about Mary and she was sort of the unbelievably, this sounds very judgmental, but the unbelievably beautiful woman who mm-hmm. I personally don't find very beautiful. <laughs> I think I think if you look at her in isolation, I mean, this is so bitchy, but I know it is. It's, 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 it's awful to talk about other women like this. But if you look at her in isolation, I don't think you look at Cameron Diaz and go, "Well, there goes a beautiful woman." Woman, but when she smiles, yeah, that it's it transformative. Is. It is re- like she it, she does glow. She's like I, she's very much like the golden one. I think yes. of that trio, and that's how she's shot, how she's lit. It's yeah, just like surfy just and beachy, and just like goofy and fun. It's very, um, I, I kind of like picked up on that on, uh, on the most recent rewatch and it's probably because I am watching Desperate Housewives at the same time, but she is like the Susan Meyer of the group. I'm clumsy. Yes. I'm like cute and adorable. Men love me, but I'm like a goof, really. And it's very this thing of like, you know, like the way that a small dog doesn't know it's a small dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the beautiful one who doesn't know. Yeah. She, she just like, that's like the character she's playing. She's like, she literally doesn't know. <laughs> she's like going out with Luke Wilson and she can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. She's got this like beautiful dress on and then she pulls her underwear down and they're like yeah. Spider Man underoos or something. Yeah. yeah. Very, very that kind of thing. Very adorable. And um, like, it also reminded me that there was this whole fascination when we were young about really tiny arses. Yeah. There was so much of her dancing and shaking her non-arse around. <laughs> it's like, we've come far. Vibes of like, it, it takes me back to like Pippa Middleton, which feels now like a fever dream I lived through. We, like, it was such an emperor's new clothes moment. It's like, the ass does not exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it? What am I looking at? What am I looking at? Um, yeah, um, 
to uh, talking about Cameron Diaz dancing all the time, like when she like goes up at like the Soul Train. What is that scene? And, and, and yeah, and she's just like charming all the black people who are there. Like, come Doing on. like very 70s Jackson 5 <laughs> dancing. I'm the fun white girls. Come on, guys. And then they're all like charmed by her. Do you know that's what I mean? It's it, like she's, yeah. she's just charming. That's her, that's her power. They're just stony faced for like yeah. four minutes and she just keeps doing her little roll with her arms. And then eventually they're like, you know what? She means well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just, oh, it's just so joyful. That's the thing. It's like no matter how stupid the, these movies get, their heart is always in the right place, I feel. Absolutely. And it feels, as much as you say, it's like written by men, it's directed by a man. Um, it feels far more like under the spoon feminist in the way that it just sort of teaches you sort of like solidarity and sisterhood yeah. and like quote unquote girl power without feeling like you're being hammered over the head with it. Like at no point is there like a spelled out teachable moment. Yeah. And like they vaguely, you know, like I don't know whether this is in the first one or the second one when someone's like, oh, I really underestimated you. And they're like, yeah, we get that a lot. And that's kind of like the only reference to the fact that it's like we're women doing things that women don't usually do. Like <laughs> yeah. it's really not like, it's not bulldozer. So I was thinking about this in the context of like, because you know this is a this is made in two thousand, uh, very a very pre nine eleven film. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because we they do sort of talk about the sort of aesthetic choices that happened. I, by they I mean like random writers online <laughs> who have decided they're sociologists. Um, sort of like you know pre nine eleven there was a sort of like very vivid very colourful aesthetic in filmmaking you get it like Josie and the Pussycats and Moulin Rouge mm-hmm. and like all these like real feast for the eyes things and then like sort of post season one we get the slow move towards a more Christopher Nolan blockbuster where prestige. things are prestige and things are serious and we have to take things seriously um, and we get less movies like these these very clearly for a preteen market like colourful pop movies mm-hmm. and like and this thing of like it does feel like it's a bunch of music videos strung together. Right? And the guy is a music video director. Mick G. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 that is exactly what it feels like. It feels like there's just a whole bunch of set pieces almost. Yeah. Um, but in a way, that kind of makes it a, a great film because can't you remember every single part of it? Yes. I can. I remember every, all the costumes, all the scenes, like all of it is very vivid in my mind. Um Whereas again, like I watched this like new version, and I was just like, I I I don't know what happened. I really no, don't know what I happened. I don't know what happened. This is. I feel like they're not friends in this one. I think that was the main no. one. Is that they're they're friends? Yeah, exactly. Exa- <laughs> and they love each other. That's like they they are there, ride or die. Um, just fully like in, in like ensconced in each other's lives. In the second one, where like uh, Natalie's moving in with Luke Wilson's character, mm. and like. They're all show, they're, they all show up to move in, and then uh, Alex's boyfriend, who is Matt LeBlanc, in his prime, in his prime, showing the up. oddest hair, oddest hair, like, odd weird gelled fringe coming out in spikes, very two thousand, very two thousand, um, very pre nine eleven hair. <laughs> and then he, you, you know, he shows up to also help move in, and it's like just assumed that those guys, even yeah. though they've actually never met prior to this scene not that we've seen yeah exactly but we have enough faith in the dynamic that we're like yes. they've been having fun without us Bros. and now we're back yeah 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 exactly exactly and yeah. you ju- it's just you. And again it's like girl bands you just buy into um, the friendship that they're, they're selling and they they uh, further sort of like enhance that like with the off screen thing which is that at the end when they have all those like bloopers and behind the scenes moments yes that well, was a whole thing in films mm-hmm. for so long that the credit sequence was just full of these bloopers that just made it feel like oh, it was the funnest place exactly. ever <laughs> and they're so strategic I remember even with, with the Toy Story movies they used to do like CGI bloopers and it really like really sent me insane as yeah. a 12 year old I was like but I don't know how could it be a mistake <laughs> yeah like I think it was like peak DVD culture that we were obsessed with bloopers, right? Because remember there was just like... Bloopers and behind the scenes, all the extra features that we were going to get. Right? They were so terrified. The whole industry was so terrified of piracy that you just live and die on deleted scenes. and Justify that (laughs) $16.99. They were so expensive. So expensive. 
Like, that's why everyone only had five. And why <laughs> the five DVDs you had in your house were are who you are as a person now. Yeah. You had like, yeah, you had like five very specific DVDs and then like a bunch of stuff that you got from like the five for 20 pounds deal, which yeah. you had real, no real itch. I've still got like a wallet full of DVDs oh, yeah. that I bought on. The, and I'm like, I watch these films once. It's always, I love when the wallet comes out because they come out at such specific times in your life and generally just after you've moved house and they, ha- <laughs> and they haven't set up the internet yet. So you're like, <laughs> let's see what 2001 me likes. <laughs> the film Sideways. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were talking about the like the context of which this came out and how it sort of interplayed with the the actress's characters. Mm. And it, it it sort of made me think as well, because like Cameron Diaz was like this movie star who had been like the most gorgeous thing on earth in The Mask. And um, then there's something about Mary gave her this sort of renewed life as like a comedian. Like she was very like, like the Lucille Ball of the 90s kind of thing. Mm. And then Drew Barrymore obviously had all this clout and, you know, she everyone knew who she was. And Lucy Liu then, like, was was a TV actress coming in off Ali McBeal mm-hmm. and, like, really had the least amount of power on that set kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, like, amazing to me that, like, she's become such an indelible thing in my mind now. And, like, she was the person who everyone wanted to be because she was so stunning. Yes. And it was also, like, her coolness, I think. Her just... There was a- She's just very attractive in that movie, I think. Yeah. Just something about her is very compelling. Um, and I think you're right. It's like the fact that she's just like cool and almost aloof. Yes. Um, and like uh, d- controlled, put together. If you look at like, you know, the chaos of Dylan and the yeah. sort of like clumsiness of Natalie, you have Alex, who's this just sort of like serene often dressing but a little bit I guess kind of like goth babe sort of because she's always got these like sophisticated black looks and her yes. hair slicked back in a, like a really tight ponytail or whatever the red evening gown when they're at some event they're always at some black tie event for yeah, no yeah. reason <laughs> and just like it's a repeated thing of like men coming up to her trying to chat her up and her going no 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 again no. a very female fantasy very then they go away <laughs> <laughs> then they go, oh, and like the like we've all again, yeah, you're right. Such a female fantasy because the thing of like now, if some if something like that happens to me, like once once in a year, like, <laughs> if some man's trying to talk to me in an event, I'll be like, ah, I'll go. Where's the bathroom? Bye. Where it happens now is like the DMs or like your um, replies, where you're like, oh god, it's him, him oh, that I've yeah. got a humor. Oh no. Oh, it's like, oh, he sort of like dimly supports my work. So now yeah. I have to like kowtow to his weird comments about my nose. <laughs> yeah, that. Very much that. Oh, it's just like, that is. There's so many things in this movie that are like memes worth uh, like putting into the water supply, I think of now. Mm. You know what I mean? Because like every so often, Twitter finds out about a film. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like the lines in that film are disseminated through the internet as response gifts. And Lucy Liu saying no. And like, it's such a testament to her skill as an actor that she can say no seven times in a row and they all sound different. Like, no, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> no. Um, and also, also a great Lucy Liu scene. Her like weird Marxist, like... <laughs> in the... Takeover uh, moment? Yes. And the soundtrack to that moment as well. Ooh, Barracuda! Yeah, it's just iconic. It's amazing. So good. And Melissa McCarthy as well, randomly. For no reason. Uh Like pre-Gilmore Girls. Uh Just like a funny lady. (laughs) And her like leading them away and how like, again, like a very like, like tight, all black. Yes. Like office bitch outfit and her like stick that she's like but smacking the tables it's with. It's such a mad and genius twist, though, to have like, okay, she's got to go in and be a sort of a distracting, sexy lady that the whole company will fall for, which is like, okay, fine. Let's like make her be a scary bitch. But she's also like a full communist. <laughs> <laughs> I find it so funny. <laughs> well, she's like, who makes the product for this company? <laughs> you do. Engineers do. Not managers. Yeah. It's like very seize the means of production. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which now that I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, was that a Chinese thing? Oh, <laughs> Where they like just make you a communist because oh god, Chinese reasons. <laughs> Do I actually not like the scene for problem reasons? <laughs> I also love that she's there and like again this like you know super like 
uh, sexualized uh, outfit and then she's got the other two behind her looking like Ant and fucking Dad. <laughs> I love when they do some of the, the drag king stuff. <laughs> it's it's endlessly funny to me. Just like having having an actor in a wig. Yeah. <laughs> Still, I'm just like clapping in front of Peppa Pig. <laughs> Three-year-old. Oh, she's in a wig. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, the whole like... This was also an era of filmmaking where the phrase hack the mainframe happened yeah. a lot. <laughs> what were we to know? What? We bet we didn't even have broadband. No, <laughs> no. And like it was just like this very, this very um twee version of the internet where it's like, oh yeah, hacking mainframes. Like, what does that mean? It's like a server? I su- I suppose. I love that they had more ethics as angels. Oh my god, fucking net neutrality. <laughs> but also they were they're like, we can't give you. They're like, well, can we look around and see what they've got? No, 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 yes. we can't. It would be unethical. If your files are there, we'll give them to you. I was like, my God, Mark Zuckerberg has never seen this movie. It's mad. Like it, it felt like so like so much of it feels like so kind of twee and very really naughty. And then like a couple of bits will just kind of come out. So like the whole like tech plot with Sam Rockwell mm-hmm. is that like he's like he tries to come off as like, oh geeky little guy and my thing has been stolen, and it's like he has created a technology that will identify anyone's voice and map them anywhere in the planet. Now I don't know if we have vo- voice recognition software in every single iPhone, but I'm sure we probably secretly do. Yes. <laughs> so it, yeah, it was a weird amalgamation of what yeah what will essentially become the iPhone because they yeah. want they want the other guy. Tim Curry's character. Yes. You know what? There is plot. Tim Curry's <laughs> character uh, owns the uh, corporation that has the satellites. Mm-hmm. So Sam Rockwell's got the voice re- recognition. Yes, you're dead right. Tim Curry's character has got the satellite and he needs both to be able to pinpoint Charlie. Yes. Um. So they actually use the angels to get in and hack the mainframe. It's actually a good plot. It's a good plot. It's good. <laughs> like, it, it's as good as any James Bond plot. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's. A, I mean, there's a lot. I, I read some of the um, sort of, like, reviews of it at the time, and they were like, you know, uh, it's, you know, you see Cameron Diaz flying through the air, kicking, like, five men in the face, and you know that. I think it was, uh, it was another director who said this, actually. Um, but he was like, and, and, and it killed that like wire foo style of fighting. It killed it dead. I'm like, what? Because girls were doing it. Like, no one believes that James Bond can drive a car off a cliff and survive. But we don't question it. Like, can girls oh not have God. like suspended disbelief? Do you know what I mean? Oh, that really annoys me. But you're, yeah, there's so much of that, isn't there? And it's, I think it's because there is a kind of like a tone to the movie. It's like quasi spoof. Do you mm. know what I mean? But it's it's kind of... I can understand if it were, like if you're not a twelve year old girl who like is taking it completely legitimately and being yeah. like this is the best, <laughs> and if you're just a, a, an adult who goes to the cinema, um, yeah, of being like it's not really enough of a spoof for me to understand it to be like a scary movie situation because it does take the relationship seriously. But there's this moments where it does feel like it's like trying to do like a parody of like the '60s James Bond movies, Sean Connery kind of thing, mm-hmm. and that then like all the kind of all this, like all the, the a lot of like Orientalism in the movie throughout, and mm-hmm. lots of there's a lot of like chopsticks in the hair moments kind of yeah. thing. And, and at one point, Tim Curry says, "Getting a little cold in here, Yoko." And I was like, "Fuck it, yeah." I, no. I know he's a villain, and like <laughs> villains say bad stuff, but I was like, Oof. Um But it feels like they're they're aping that sort of thing that like dragon lady moment that the Bond movies would do. But I could see how an adult would be like, I don't. Is it a parody or isn't, you know? And all these kind of um, references to The Matrix and Mission Impossible, which are all movies I had not seen at that point. So I was like, this is invented everything. (laughs) This is invented action films. But like, they're always talking about like how, you know, when are we going to get the female James Bond? I'm like, why why couldn't we just have had seven of these? Truly. And I think that with, I think that with like criticism of things like, um, Ocean's Eight, which like I kind of was like not a great movie. I love but, it. Well, yeah, but at the I'm same not time, good and I love it. Yeah, at the same time, I'm like, do you understand that women just want different things yeah. from an action film? Because that, and that was the problem I had with this uh, newer one was that I was like, what you've tried to do is make a action movie for men and girl boss it 
instead of leaning into what girls enjoy, which it is like, you know, these like elaborate choreographed yes. fighting scenes and like women using their wiles and stuff. I, I mean, again, like we don't question uh, male action stars for using their bulk or, yes. the, do you know what I mean, their strength. Uh, in, in the same way it's like as women are forced to contend with whether we're being too sexual in movies and using our femininity and all this kind no, of No, you're totally right. Like men just don't have to do men don't have to do that. And I just I refuse I refuse to do it when when it comes to movies that are aimed at, you know, people like me. Yeah, no and you're right, it is such a part of the female fantasy. And it's also it's good narrative. Like the Bond movies and all kinds of spy movies for years have always done this thing where it's like the thing about a woman, a beautiful woman in a beautiful dress is that she can kind of go places where other people can't go and people will tell her things that they wouldn't tell other people. And there is legs for days in that. There could have yes. been 10 of these movies of just like them in nice dresses, saying things to people, getting information, like going into gala dinners and then <laughs> like whipping off the dress and then they're like kicking down doors in a weird alleyway. What's actually, what, now that you said that, it, it, yeah, it, Men understand women's sexuality in a Bond film yeah. and it's not questioned, but it becomes very, hey, that's only okay when we say it. When, <laughs> yeah. w- w- when we're like, oh, okay, well, we'll take that and we'll make a whole movie about it, but the women will be central to it. Yeah. Instead of the accessory to James Bond's ass kicking, the women will also be doing the ass kicking. And it's very like, no, you guys are no. only meant to be the the decoration and the distraction. Not you don't get to, you don't get to fire a gun. It's so it's so funny because I when I, I watched this on um, Thursday night with a male friend who was staying with me, and uh, he's a massive movie fan or whatever, and he kind of remembered the movies. And I put on Charlie's Angels, and like within ten minutes, he was on his phone. I was like, "Come on, <laughs> is it action film? You like action films?" And he was like, "Not like this." <laughs> he just. <laughs> He was just very like, mm. and I was like, look, you know, it's not like, because so, I think he was like taking the piss out of me because he's like, oh, I'm going to force some sort of like feminist action movie on him. I was like, same as you were just saying, it's not really a feminist action movie. It's just an action movie with women in it. And he was like, mm, I don't like it. You know? <laughs> See, I have the ex- I had the exact opposite experience because I watched it with my brother and he was like, I haven't watched it in ages. He was, so, he was yeah. like, this is a good movie. This is a good movie. To be fair, me and my brother both love Jingle All The Way, which is... <laughs> universally agreed upon that it is a bad movie but I think we just we as sort of a family I guess we enjoy a caper and Charlie's Angels is very much a A caper caper. hijinks 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 galore Mm -hmm. um that sort of bond comparison struck me again when I was watching the um the scene where Dylan shags Sam Rockwell who like uh, when he when he reveals himself to be like the villain he becomes so erotic to me. Right. Oh my god. And I like Sam Sam Rockwell is interesting because he's always being a shit. Whenever yeah. he's in a movie, he's always being a shit. So it's like this like mental or like and I know this is really unfair to Sam mm. Rockwell, but it's like mental revulsion because in my head I'm like, uh, Sam Rockwell always been a dickhead. But so like, it's, you know what? He can just move. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's the movement. It's the moves. He moves like an eel. Mo- yeah, the way he moves, the way he's yeah. like, you know, casually, I, I can't remember if he's smoking or whether he's got a yeah. drink, but just like, yeah, there's something very like 
sinuous and se- it's very sensual. It's very sensual and it's also this amazing kind of inversion of the Bond girl stereotype, right? Mm. Like the girl who kind of comes, oh, I'm just trapped in my thing. Oh, you know, <laughs> then they have sex and then she turns on him, right? Yeah. Like, and it's the exact same scene happening with Drew Barrymore, but it's like, it feels very different and new even still yes. to have like nude Drew Barrymore with her like the most beautiful hair yeah. in the world I think if you're a little bit ginger that, that hair has sort of haunted your life <laughs> your, your memories um, like a whole, with the sheets around her very vulnerable and her big sort of doe eyes and her big pouty lips and just like the sort of the black matrix garments on the people who you thought she was her friends and other enemies yeah, kind yeah. of thing and he's in this sort of black the vest top. the tank yeah. I can't smoking, I, yeah, I dancing can't, I, around the room a bit. I can't believe how effectual it is. It's so horny, and the, and and it's the uh, it's the Marvin Gaye in the background as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like the whole sequence, and I don't think it really. I actually don't think it really hit me until like this most recent uh, rewatch. But I was like, my god, like this scene is sexy. It's so, and there's this thing as well where like. He's kind. Of, he's basically already revealed himself, but she's still kind of holding out hope because, yeah. like, his dick has just been in her, <laughs> so we have to hold out that it might be a mistake. And she sort of like spells out "enemy" in the Scrabble and yeah. just kisses her. Oh, I know. Yeah, and, but it, he's a very good villain in this. I think he's so good. And then there's this like when it goes the whole kind of like Alcatraz moment <laughs> where they're Bosley's in Fort a, Boyard. We, yeah, where. Like I think, I think it's so fun about the Charlie's Angels movies is that the things they know and don't know. So like Cameron Diaz can identify this bird by its call through the phone <laughs> and all that. And then the second movie, they see a Saint Christopher's medal and they're like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> it's like these weird absences of knowledge. Um, but they go there and then like again, it makes sense that Drew Barrymore was the producer because again, it's a very all the greatest see all great dialogue scenes are really around her. Mm. Um, where he ties her to a chair and puts duct tape on her and, and draws her mouth on it. He's a good villain. He's a really good villain. And there's this little moment as well where he, before he kisses her through the tape, mm. which again, horny, like <laughs> he sort of like barks in her face. Yeah. Snaps at her. Yeah, yeah. like a dog. Yeah. It's, it's, it is the female gaze. How was this made by women? <laughs> by men rather. Because it's so the female gaze. I just I I I think it I I didn't know this. My brother told me this that Sam Rockwell is like a dancer. He really does dance. Oh really? Um, and I'll be googling this. Yes, right. So I think he uh, he's just brought a lot of. Um, I mean, I guess there is like some there is femininity to dancing. I think yeah. there is just like there is something a little bit. I don't want to say girly about the way that he carries himself. But I, it's a kind of Barishnikovy type of like black tights sort of. Yeah, that's sort of like. Um, Passion, yeah, as opposed to uh, a f- uh, effeminate, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, you say you say, you you definitely get the sense of the erotic with him as a bad guy. Yes, oh. which is in contrast to the uh, what's his chops, Seamus in <laughs> in the second film, who is all man and toxic masculinity oh yeah uh, actually the same kind of vibe black tank top but doesn't carry it as well no I think it's because the accent is so crazy bad (sighs) I was you know I did I made a mental note I was like need to ask Caroline what she thought of that accent (laughs) okay so First of all, he's clearly trying to do a Northern Irish accent, which is like fucking problematic, right? <laughs> it's like, okay, we're doing an Irish mafia and he's like this incredibly violent individual who kills people at the drop of a hat and you're making him Northern Irish. And it's like, I don't know if that's the vibe, guys. <laughs> but it's also, the accent is so badly done. And it's a hard accent to do. What does he say? Oh, is he say something like... Um... You and your friends. No, no, it's... it's, it's... Pian. P- pian. 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 I'm going to make pian. you feel the pian. The pian. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, but like none of the actors in that Irish, the O'Grady gang, O'Grady's, yeah. the O'Grady's are Irish and some of them aren't even trying. Like the, there's this whole scene with the door guy to where he's obviously Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> also, I feel like at this point I'm like, 
Colin Farrell was around, right? He was super around. Colin Farrell could have done this. Now I feel like he's choosy, but then he was doing Daredevil. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he was probably one studio lot away. If they away. got Carrie Fisher, they could have got... How about that, though? As a nun. As a nun. Also, speaking of, like, um, uh, people you sexually respond to in this movie, yes. where's your response level at with Crispin Glover? I knew you were going to say Thin Man. Again, it's, it's complex. It, it, but it, 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 again, it's in those like like sensual movements. The way he like smokes the cigarette, like yeah, really inhales it dramatically, and then like flounders around with it. I also weirdly think the scene where in the second uh, film where Carrie Fisher is like retelling the, yes. the story of his ha- of how he used to get when he had a haircut. Um, and she's like, oh, yeah, we never see him anymore, apart from the occasional haircut. And so it flashes back to him as an adult getting his yeah. haircut by Carrie Fisher. And his hips come off this chair yeah. in such a way that I'm like... I'm responding. Yeah, I am responding, but I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with it. That's it. I think this, these movies, again, very surprising that they were made entirely by men. They do a great line in like the kinds of attracted women get and in ways they don't even like or understand yes like the same with Sam, Sam Rockwell thing is a bit more obvious because like oh you're we thought you were nice but you're not nice, kind yeah. of thing <laughs> the Crispin Glover tall thin man thing is odder it's sort of like a, a horny crush for girls who were raised on the Adams family a little bit <laughs> he's kind of like a silent movie actor but like sick yes you know like uh, both unwell and perverted <laughs> like I think in the first film when he's uh, oppositional to them like yeah. clearly oppositional to them it's a bit more easier to sort of like dismiss him as weird mm. but in the second film where it becomes a little bit m- more obscure about what his motives are and is yeah. he kind of on their side I, and and then they go to the orphanage and like humanize him <laughs> in some kind of way it, it, again it becomes this sort of like well you know he's got a complex past of course he screeches when he yanks out women's hair do you know what I mean it's like I think it's also the the him smelling the hair thing. Yeah. I love when Drew Barrymore like uh, tries to sort of like connect with him and she's got like that like just that like, oh, yeah. little tuft of his hair and she's just sort of like stroking it across her face like in a bemused fashion. Just very unjudgmental about the kink. <laughs> the thing about kinks is I think that and this is a very pet theory exchange between me and maybe three friends and if other women <laughs> listening don't relate to it that's fine. But I think um Women's dream, all women's dream is for a man to have a very specific kink that is free. So like... Free? As in like something you don't have to spend money on. Right, okay. So it's like this thing of like, um, so a, a guy who's like really into feet or like really into like smelling used underwear or something. All of these things obviously sound a bit gross when I'm saying them on the podcast, but in the intimacy <laughs> of like a very into, like sexual relationship, it's like... Let me give you something that costs me nothing, but you're afraid to ask anyone else for. Right, right, right. And right. so the hair smelling is kind of in that category for me. Yes. Although, with it, like, it, I don't know how you would feel about your man just ripping hair off of everyone. Yeah, no, I wouldn't love it. He's very, he's very, kink, he's very like promiscuous with his kink. Yes, because at first I thought it was just a Dylan specific her hair thing, but no, no, but he's just yanking hair left and right, full <laughs> patches up. <laughs> What do you think of Demi Moore's whole vibe? Right. So I... So she's in the second movie. She's like the ex-angel who comes back to kill them. So I watched the... uh, I rewatched both of the films one Christmas a few years ago Mm. uh, with a couple of my friends, one of whom had never seen the movies before. Um, And at the end of, of Full Throttle, we were like, that movie is quite gay in a way that we did not pick up on mm. as youngsters. Bearing in mind that Demi Moore literally licks Cameron Diaz's face. Yeah. And the the scene where she's introduced on the beach, it's very sort of like... Them both, I'm both surfer girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And like leaning in and it's like, like that very like deliberate type of speech that Demi Moore is doing, yeah. which has an undertone it feels very like are you gay yeah i'm yeah. gay yeah it's got yeah, it's got a suit it's got a suit it's got a question mark that's that's what i'd call the undertone a question mm. mark um so i love her as a villain in as much as i love that fallen angel vibe when they're literally mm. like 
go to hell. She's she's like, I enjoy heaven. They're like, see you in hell. And then she just like literally falls into a fiery pit. Poetic. It's beautiful. Um, love her as a fallen angel. I did, did think it's a bit laid on this sort of like homoerotic vibe. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very it's it wasn't for us. I don't think no, it wasn't because like, <laughs> there's definitely a homoerotic vibe that you can give to preteens that will excite them. But that was very much for like it was like they were planning the FHM spread before it had even happened, <laughs> before the film was even in the can. You know, yeah. I do love though the scene where. Uh, kind of like she's just you know everything is in place she thinks she's like got rid of the angels she's about to blow up the premiere everything's coming together and she's like walking through I guess her apartment or whatever and it's like her Louboutins clicking and this like mm. mink dragging mm. and then her gold guns come out it's like it's, she's a very cool <sighs> villain she's very cool I wish there was that there was no Justin Theroux <laughs> <laughs> and that like it was just like a, a you know a one villain kind of thing and yeah. that, and we got to really like build with her and like see those flashback scenes you know do you know what it's yeah now that I think about it like it really does split and I think actually that's probably like the biggest weakness of the movie is mm. that there's not a clear this is the bad guy yeah. this is the bad guy like the Dylan sort of subplot uh, kind of detracts from the fact that it's like Demi is the big bad yeah. and you actually don't get a lot of her maybe they just couldn't afford it because they got her and Bruce for that film I know very little of Bruce. very little of Bruce. Well, they couldn't afford it after also I don't know if you're a Succession fan yes okay I might be wrong because he's uncredited but in that scene where you know they break into that house the murder scene and they're like oh surfer wax and yeah. he had a cut in his leg and all that kind of stuff there's um a dead guy in a chair who I looked think very it's familiar Jeremy to me. Strong? Is it? I think it may be an uncredited Jeremy Strong. I could be wrong. All right, I need to. I'm gonna because I did think to myself, is that in the chair? I was because I was about to say to my brother, um, God, even like the corpse in the chair is a face. <laughs> yeah, but I couldn't place it and I'm, I couldn't okay. find it because I was watching it alone, so there was no one to confirm with. Um, but yes, okay, okay I'm, gonna, I'm gonna rewatch. Everyone, that scene. go watch Charlie's <laughs> Angels full throttle and confirm or deny whether or not that's Jeremy Strong dead in a chair because. It would make, give me so much joy because Jeremy Strong takes himself so seriously. <laughs> and if he's casually hidden that he was in the second Charlie's Angels film and we found it. I would love that. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God, is there anything else? The, there's this weird bit of writing as well with the Demi Moore thing mm. where she's really into astrology. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> She, like, solved the case with Cosmo's astrology guide. And then, like, they make reference to it later yeah. on, which is like, such a Pisces. <laughs> such a Pisces move. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. Do you think that, like, this movie, as much as we loved it, and I continue to love it, and I just think it's the most fun, that it did sort of like, contribute to the sort of, um, sort of the noughties raunch culture for girls, like the sort of playboy phone charm kind uh. of this this idea and like the Coyote Ugly which we've done on this podcast before this thing that like taking these things separately they're so much fun and like as I said at the beginning of the podcast like it's like girls who've just aged out of Barbie and they want fun glamorous things to dress up in their mind and in front of their eyes and this thing of like individually they're not harmful but cumulatively they kind of have this message of like if you can just still be incredibly hot uh, you can earn a kind of a freedom. Right. Um, and very like, oh, people think Katie Price is... Remember that whole news stories back in the noughties where it was like, girls want to grow up to be Katie Price because she's a businesswoman and she. Well, we have it now, don't we, with Kim Kardashian? Like, yeah, exactly. It's... I think there's always a panic about these things and yeah. maybe they're outsized. Um, I, I, do you know what? I think, I think yes. I don't... But again, I don't know whether as a teenager, I don't know whether that was what I was taking from it. Mm. Um, and so in that sense, I, is it a kind of like a primer for your later life? Perhaps. Where I find Charlie's Angels, actually, where it probably fits on the timeline of my of my personal feminism is mm. uh, Spice Girls, Girl Power. Yeah. Uh, and then there's... Uh, teen magazines yeah that era of my life yeah. and in between that was xena warrior princess mm. so xena is very unglam because it's like ancient greece but it is like a woman kicking ass which yeah. is cool to an eight-year-old 
Um, and then you have Charlie's Angels, which is Xena with lip gloss. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very well put. Yeah, so I, I guess it is kind of a a gateway, yeah, drug, I guess, to that sort of, uh, I guess, like liberated female sexuality that you grow to find out isn't really all that liberated. Yes, after all. Um, so yeah, a contributor. I think I would have to agree that it is a contributor, but I don't know whether I. I don't know whether we would have been aware of it. No, in the same way that you are aware of, I don't know the Pussycat Dolls when you're fifteen. Yeah, yeah. where you're like, well, this is obviously I, slutty. That's so true. I remember having the same sort of like, even though I wouldn't have been a feminist as a teenager, having that same moment with the Pussycat Dolls, being like, this doesn't feel right to me. And like, yeah. Do you know what's really shallow? What? <laughs> Is that I ha- I was very sort of like anti-pussycat dolls. Not even Me anti-pussycat too. dolls, but just very sort of like, oh, I just, it, I think it's quite tacky, I guess. And then I remember walking into my like uh, A-level drama group. And this was like back in the day when I had like straight hair. Uh-huh. I walked into my uh, A-level drama class and my friend was like, I've never realized how much you look like that girl from the Pussycat Dolls. And I was like, oh my God, me? Like, stop. And like overnight. I've been pretty this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> overnight, Pussycat Dolls fan. Oh my God. <laughs> Love that. I, I'm really, really easily flattered. It, it's so it's so interesting though, because you're right. That sort of like, begin, like if, I don't know what the years gap was between them. I feel like I'm going to get lots of people defending the Pussycat Dolls to me. But, you know, beginning with sort of Charlie's Angels, whatever, mm. of being quite, fun and like yeah we got tits and we're using them <laughs> <laughs> and then the pussy I think that pussy it was like a um, what you call it like a stage show first wasn't it they were actually in the second movie they were weren't yeah. they yes they didn't make that up yeah mm. they, um, but it was like originally a Vegas show that was a then turned into yeah. yeah that turned yeah so then I then I remember feeling like oh some and this was my proto-feminist 15 year old like, something's mm. gone a bit wrong here this sort of like be, Sex, sexualization as liberation sort of like taking the male gaze and making as much money from it as you possibly can exploiting it as much as you can turning yourself into a cartoon yeah um and i think that we're still sort of wrestling with that idea right this idea of like oh well any form of making money from you know men is a, fe- a form of feminism mm. which is loose yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> it's a bit of a loosey goosey concept you know the first Pussycat Dolls album, weirdly, uh, actually, it's very much in like a, this kind of like same thing that we've been talking about, which is that actually uh, underlying very feminist. There's a lot of mm. like, you know, it's about consent. It's about, uh, there's tracks about, you know, men uh, only valuing you for your body. Even Don't You, Don't you is, a, like, is a satire. Don't You Wish Your Girlfriend Was Hot Like Me. Wink. It's very like, go back to your girlfriend, bro. I'm a fantasy. That's like the underlying oh. message of the song. Um, I ne- see, I never understood that satire until now. Maybe I love the pussy I told well, no, too. They took me kind of like growing up and like really, when you listen yeah. to the lyrics, like properly beyond that very catchy chorus, which yeah. feels on unsisterly, I guess. Yeah. When you listen to it in that second verse, and she's like, "Fight the feeling, leave it alone. If it ain't love, it just ain't enough to leave a happy home." And she's literally like telling the guy, "Look, I yeah, you've oh come to God. this bar and you've seen me dancing, and don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me, raw like me?" And it's like, do you know what I mean? It is kind of like a piss take. Oh my God, you've turned me around. <laughs> this is like a mini episode of the Pussycat Dolls now. Fuck. But there's a lot of that in, in that first album. Because um, that is why I hated them. Because I felt like it was really unsisterly and, yeah. and, and mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, 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 uh, absolutely. On the surface, that's absolutely how it reads. Um, but when you like when you think about it, and like I say, in the context of the whole record, where they're talking about, you know, I, there's a song called Flirt, where they're like, I just want to flirt. Okay, so you can yeah. keep your hands to yourself. We're, we're having fun here. Uh, there's a track that's like, uh, we went as far as we felt like going. So it's like, yeah. I bought you home. Uh, and, if, and if we hooked up, then cool. That's what we agreed to. But if we didn't, then that's also cool. Do you know what I mean? There's actually quite a lot of feminist messaging in the Pussycat oh Dolls my, album. Re- I, I've never been turned around so quickly on something. <laughs> um, but it's it, but it's that similar sort of thing. But I think, you know, they were allowed, they're, they're, you know, they're hot girls and hot girls have a certain kind of privilege. So, yeah. you know, they are like 
behind velvet rope sort of thing. So of course they can say that. Yes, and they're and so they're delivering that song to you when they've already been working as objects of desire for years. Like exactly. they're not teenage girls who've just been launched and plucked M- from the crowd. Mind and- it, mind it, built their fortress, closed the gates, and now they're telling us that we can have it and we can't because we're not up there with them. I have to rethink everything I think. <laughs> oh my god. My word. All right. Fuck. <laughs> I'm honestly I'm not like putting this on I'm genuinely it's really it's really meshed with some important cogs in my brain um, is there any are there any other moments from these movies that we haven't spoken about that you would hate yourself mm. if you didn't oh do you know what we haven't talked about yes uh, A of all Bill Murray is Bosley oh and B Charlie himself uh, which I have a lot to say about uh, which would you like to tackle first <laughs> let's talk about Bosley, uh-huh. Bosley, Bill Murray, and then later in the second film, Bernie Mac. Yes, who I I really liked Bernie yes, Mac. Yeah, <laughs> really, really great. Um, they're interesting. They they're interesting because they uh, they hold the same sort of position as a lot of men. I think men who aren't bad guys in this movie hold this position. So they're just sort of like bumblers like didn't know anything about this kind of stuff you think about like John Cleese and Lucy Liu such a weird choice right but again like just this sort of like you know hoodwinked by these girls and having the veil lifted and kind of thing Bosley kind of like inhabits that kind of space where he's like he's in the know because he's on their team Mm -hmm. but he's very sort of like ineffectual yeah to it to to some extent he's you know he's he's not a fighter really everything that he's asked to do he does with sort of like oh god that's that's sort of like weaponized like male uselessness like oh oh, no if i if i do this mission half-heartedly maybe they'll never ask me to go on a mission again type thing that's so good that's so well put it's exactly what that performance is (laughs) but i do i mean i love the scene where he's talking with Tim Curry and he's got like the thing on his <laughs> Mike tooth. and his molar. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like leaning into him with his mouth open. Um, the Bosley characters are... What I don't get is, is a Bosley's like... Is Bosley like a rank? That's what I didn't understand either because, yeah, Bosley's a job, I guess. But then like he's was adopted by Bos- by Bernie Max, Bosley's mum and... That, so I thought that okay so I thought when they replaced Bosley with Bernie Mac in the second one them calling them because like the second one is also very tongue in cheek about the fact that it is a sequel yeah and they're just like oh look you know it's that thing that sequels do where they replace characters <laughs> like hi Bosley and you almost read it as the girls being cheeky as like oh you're doing Bosley's job so we're going to call you Bosley kind yeah. of thing but then it's like well his mum is calling him Bosley <laughs> yeah <laughs> that makes no sense and then they've got a picture of Bill Murray on the wall and they're like yeah uh, uh, little baby uh, Shia's character I don't understand what Shia LaBeouf is doing in that movie he's, ve- he's very like inconsequential isn't he he means nothing yeah like, he, that could have been anyone they didn't need to spend I mean I guess Shia wasn't pulling in like money like I suppose he did before everything crashed down around his ears because yeah. of his own actions but um yeah, they could have literally just cast any was old he, kid. Was he a big enough star? Was back he even then? Stevens by then? Was I think he was Disney. He was a Disney boy. Oh, was wasn't he a Disney boy? Yeah. Oh, okay, so it probably sounds like we're 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 trying to launch this kid. So yeah, 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 that kind of this. role. Yeah. The thing about Charlie, obviously, it's like the main thing about the seventies show mm-hmm. was this voice box of this posh English man who tells them to do things, and that's kind of like it's a fun gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, but. <laughs> made me feel quite weird. They have this like, like pseudo-sexual paternalistic obsession with him yeah. where he's like kind of their dad and they're like at the end of the movie they're like oh, Charlie, when are you going to join us? Yeah. <laughs> Daddy, when are you going to get here? <laughs> and then like like you know Dylan looks over her shoulder and she sees him on the phone just this old dude walking around in board shorts and she's like mm, I think I saw Santa Claus. Kind of thing. <laughs> it's very weird to me I think. I think uh, it is. I mean, it is weird. It's very, very weird. The whole premise is bizarre. And like, why do they have such loyalty to this man that they've never met? Who yeah. sends, Which is kind of Demi Moore's whole thing, which is, you know, I got, I took three bullets in the chest. Yeah. And I got fucking fired. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it I, and I don't actually think that they resolve it at all the question no. of Charlie and I don't know whether that's just because they were intending to make more movies and didn't or it whatever. felt like they were doesn't it yeah, yeah. Um, 
what's you know worse than a paternalistic Charlie? Yeah, is the reboot where they've made Charlie a woman, where you see this sort of like female figure behind a desk talking into like a voice modulator that like goes out to the agency. I, I hate that. Oh, God. It's so on the nose. Yes. It just feels very condescending to me personally. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm, and I don't know what it. I don't know what it means other than I think that like if you think back in your life, there are a lot of Charlies. Uh huh. <laughs> a lot of sort of like male boss figures that yeah. exist, especially when oh, you're kind of like new to your so, career. Okay, yes. Exist several uh distances away from you, several ranks yeah. or whatever. Um and they come around and they kind of do this sort of like cool boss thing every oh, now and then. Oh, that's so true. And they also that's so oft- advertising. They also often have like one pet girl. It's, yes. It was never me. I was never a pet girl. Oh, but I, I've been a pet girl. Have you it's been a pet girl? It's not good. It's not good. No, scene. it's not good. It's yeah. not good. And it, I, I, I always felt sorry for pet girls because I was just like, it's, it's, it's mm. so, a, an overwhelming amount of pressure and uh, yeah, like these weird sort of like dad feelings mixed up in somebody who literally holds your paycheck in his hand kind of thing oh my god can I tell you about a time a pet girl moment I observed mm. um, back when I was in advertising of this um, very very senior guy who had a pet girl in my agency my my, <laughs> my team so it's such a good term you really coined something there <laughs> write an essay quickly before someone steals <laughs> it like me um, where she was like 24 he mm. was easily 50 and she had been on holidays the week previous kind of thing so we'd come back with a tan gorgeous looking girl and so she was she got to her desk early and I was there as well just to kind of clear things up before she got back into work that day you know and uh, he came in he was like hello there stranger looking brown and she was like oh yeah you know went to Marbella with the girls and he pulled up a chair and he said show me your photos then And he made her go through her Facebook album. It was still a time of Facebook albums. Going through all of her and her friend's bikini pictures. Oh, no. Because you can't... Awful. You can't extricate yourself from that. No, you're stuck. Yeah, once you've reaped even one reward, you're stuck. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? That is the thing with the angels is that they do get, uh, you know... If you ignore all like the sort of like death and fighting, it's a really fucking cool job. You get to dress up, you get to yeah. travel, you get to go places, whatever. I'd love to know how much they're paid. I know no, that's, I like, the <laughs> that's like not a movie magic sort of <laughs> them getting their pay slip and being like, oh, there's much on my pension. Um, I mean, when you think about it, I guess not much. Like uh, Natalie and uh, her boyfriend move into a very modest home. That's a huge house on Santa Monica Boulevard. Is that, I thought. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. location-wise. Location. Yeah. I think it's in Santa Monica from what I see. Uh, yeah. Dil, uh, Alex lives with uh, the Joe, actor Joey boyfriend. Tribbiani. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, where does Dylan live? I think that's part of her whole thing of being oh, like yeah. the rudderless witness protection and Helen's ass. <laughs> yeah, Helen's ass. Just jumps in with whichever guy will take her for the night. That's it, yeah. Uh, All right, we've got to wrap this up, but... Uh, Grace, this has been fabulous. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You are on Twitter and Instagram. I am, yeah. Uh, at one of those faces. Yes. And uh, you're a journalist of, of some repute, a freelancer. Some repute. <laughs> some repute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'm just all over the place. You write fabulous pop culture essays, often for The Guardian. Previously for Vice, and I've read some of them. And I just I just think you're a great cultural mind. Girl, thank you. <laughs> I wish that everybody who like thought I was weird for obsessing over pop stars when I was a kid could could hear you now. I hope they do We're listen good. to this podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Grace. Thank you. This has been Sentimental Garbage, and I've been Caroline O'Donoghue. The podcast was produced and edited by me, with mix and music by Harry Harris and artwork by Gavin Day. If you'd like to email me about the pod, you can do so on sentimentalpod at gmail.com or get in touch with me directly on Twitter or Instagram at ZaraLine. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.